0: We're in a series right now going through the Apostles' Creed. Last week we talked about he ascended to heaven where he sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And today we're focused on from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. From whence, from heaven, from the right hand of the Father, he will come to judge the living and the And the dead. I was concerned for myself as I prepared for the message this week. Because I wasn't really feeling the weight of this statement from the Apostles' Creed. Uh, Next year will be my 40th year of full-time vocational ministry. And as I thought about what I was going to do this Sunday, teaching this section of the Creed from the scriptures, I thought, I'm not really feeling the weight of this. I feel like I'm going through the motions. And sometimes that can happen when you've been in ministry for a long time and you've handled topics like this before. So I needed to feel how awesome and sobering, and for some people, how frightening this day of judgment would be. So on Friday, I took a little drive to the North Royalton Cemetery I parked my car, it was cold, it was wet, it was windy, it was dreary, and I got out and I walked and I walked and I prayed and I prayed. And as I did, the Lord just impressed upon me this thought, were were these people buried in the ground right here ready? Were all these people ready? Ready? And many weren't. You say, well, how do you know many weren't? It's because Jesus says, broad is the way to destruction and many will find it. And narrow is the way to eternal life. And a few will find it. The great 18th century pastor, Matthew Henry, said this, It ought to be the business of every day to prepare for the last day. I've made that statement, um, the wallpaper on my iPad, because I want to think about this more than I do. And as a staff, we kind of wrestled with Matthew Henry's statement because we kind of wanted to make it more personal for us. So our creative team uh, thought about different ways to say that. Here's what we landed on. The last day should shape my every day. And I've been praying that God would help us feel the weight of that statement today, tomorrow, the next day, and the days after. I want you to be ready. I want my family to be ready. I want me to be ready. So say it with me. The last day should shape my every day. Our lead pastor, Chad, once said this, don't let the afterlife be an afterthought. So today I want to give you one, a reason why it's reasonable for us to believe in the judgment to come. We don't have to apologize about it. We don't have to be embarrassed about it. Two, I want us to explore from Revelation chapter 20 what that day is going to be like. Three, I want us to understand the difference between the judgment of those who don't believe and the judgment of those who do. And four, I want us to make a few applications. Because if it's true that judgment is coming, there's a way we're supposed to live. So first, judgment. Why is it reasonable for us to believe in it? Because anytime the topic of judgment comes up, you know, we talk about the wrath of God, people, especially in today's culture, kind of push back because divine judgment quite frankly, is one of our faith's more offensive teachings. And I understand why a lot of people would resist the whole idea of the lake of fire. I struggle with the idea of the lake of fire. Because I think about some people that I know and love and care about who are either there or headed there. So sometimes you hear people say things like this, a loving God can't be a judging God. How can God be a God of love and wrath at the same time? I can accept the idea of a loving and forgiving God, but I just can't accept the idea that God would judge anybody. My God is not a God of judgment. My God is a God of love. You hear people say that sometimes. But consider this possibility. A God who loves must be a God who judges because evil exists. And if evil exists and if God is a loving God, he ultimately must restrain evil. So God's loves and God judges are not mutually exclusive statements Judgment is our answer for our longing for justice. Some of you in this room, you have been deeply, deeply wronged. And the person or the persons who hurt you did not pay. And there is something inside you that longs for justice to be served. I think it's a God given desire. So if you're tired of evil and corruption in this world and if you long for a world where evil and corruption don't exist, then you are longing for a heaven without any evil. And that requires that God either forces everyone to repent or that he contains evil somehow. Well, he doesn't force people to come to Christ. What he does is he contains evil. And that's the lake a fire. Eternal judgment exists because God has committed himself to ultimately solving the problem of evil. It's not going to go on forever. A good God punishes evil. You remember Larry Nassar, the person who abused all those female gymnasts in Michigan? What would you think about a judge who said, well, you know, what he did was bad, but it really wasn't that bad. Therefore, I'm going to suspend his sentence. I mean, we would go, that's outrageous. We would want that judge to lose his job because we instinctively know something's wrong when justice hasn't been served. Rachel Denhollander, a lawyer, former gymnast, she was the first woman to publicly accused Larry Nasser of sexual assault. And she's very articulate, very thoughtful about the topics of God, love, justice, forgiveness. So let's listen to what she has to say.
1: Because there is a moral lawgiver and there is that straight line, there is someone higher than me who is capable of meeting out full justice. And this higher authority being the source of goodness, understands the evil better than I do and cares even more about justice than I do. And this is one of the areas where I believe Christian faith portrays the most beautiful and true picture of both forgiveness and justice. See, the Christian faith teaches that not only does God love, but because He loves, He is just that he pours out wrath on what is evil because he cares and it matters to him. That evil is seen even more glaringly than we can see it. Very often the idea of God punishing and wrath is seen as something negative and vengeful. But what I want you to understand tonight is that punishment for evil, justice, does not happen because God doesn't love, but because he does when my innocence was stolen as a young child, and again as a young teen, God saw that damage and said this is evil and it matters.
0: It's worth listening to that whole speech. Because she goes on to say, because I believe that there is a God of justice that gives me the power, the ability, the confidence that I can actually forgive the person who's hurt me. It's powerful. There will be justice for all. God will not allow injustice to go on forever. He will right all the wrongs on judgment day. And that doesn't need to be something we apologize for as followers of Christ, as believers in the Bible. It needs to be something that we celebrate. Now this day of judgment is either coming or it's not. And if it's not coming... The Bible is not true. Jesus is a liar and none of this really matters. But if the day of judgment is approaching, then we need to consider what that day will be like. And Revelation 20 verses 11 to 15 tell us. Let me just give you eight quick ideas about this day of judgment. First, his judgment will be great. Verse 11, then I saw a great throne and him who was seated on it. It's a great judgment because of the one who's on the throne. He is great. This is Jesus Christ, not coming as a little baby or riding on a little donkey in a humble way, but coming back as this King of Kings, Lord of Lords, majestic warrior, It's a great judgment because the judge is great. It's a great judgment because of the great justice that will be dispensed from that throne. This is the supreme, supreme court. And in fact, it's called in Malachi 4, the great and dreadful day of the Lord. His judgment will be great. And that's why the last day should shape my every day. His judgment will be pure. Notice he says, I saw a great white throne. The color white reminds us of purity. When Jesus judges, there will be no mistakes, no flaws, no errors. It's going to be pure. You won't be able to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, time out. You're wrong about that. This judge comes on a white cloud, Revelation 14 He's riding a white horse. Revelation 19. Then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True and in righteousness he judges. His judgment will be pure. Third, his judgment will be authoritative. Authoritative. Notice what it says in verse 11 again. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. What is going on? The old order of things is passing away. And the way is now open for a new heaven and a new earth. And in fact, Jesus predicted this in Matthew 24. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Think about it, the creation itself is fleeing from the presence of the one who created it. And what's left are people. With no place to hide. You can't hide behind a rock. You can't hide behind a mountain. You can't hide in a cave. Because there are no mountains or caves or rocks. No place to hide. You're standing before the throne of justice. Before the piercing gaze of Jesus with his omniscient eyes of fire. His judgment will be authoritative Malachi chapter 3 verse 2 who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears for he is like a refiner's fire his judgment will be authoritative no wonder the last day should shape my every day and his judgment will be all encompassing all encompassing verse 12 And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. The dead, great and small, both believers and non-believers, both rich and poor, both leaders and followers, both somebodies and nobodies, both you and me. We are all approaching the day of justice. Whatever path in life you take, it will lead you to that throne. The young who have absolutely no thoughts about eternity are headed to that judgment. The old whose bodies are wearing out are limping to that day. The wealthy, with their BMWs and Porsche's are driving to that day the poor rags and barefoot are walking to that day the christian who is trusting in the blood of christ is headed to a judgment and the unbeliever trampling underfoot the blood of christ is headed to that judgment 2nd corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 for we must all he's writing to believers here We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one, each one, each one, each one, each one one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. You will not escape that day. I will not escape that day. That's why the last day should shape my every day. His judgment will be accurate. Again in verse 12, and books were opened. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. Books. Are there literal books? Books for everybody? It's a lot of books. Is, the, is it symbolic language? I don't know. Maybe. But listen, if it's symbolic, the symbol is always more is, is always less impressive than the reality. Here's the point. God knows everything. He keeps accurate records of who we are, where we've been, what we've done, what we've said. Books recording our deeds will be opened. He keeps an accurate record of every one of your deeds. And he will either reward or judge with perfect justice. His judgment will be just. That's in verse 13. And the sea gave up their dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. He will reward what is good and right and true, what has been done for the glory of God in the name of Christ, by the power of the Spirit that will be rewarded. But things that have been done, that did not glorify God, that were not done in the name of Christ, and that were not done in the power of the Spirit, those things will be judged and punished. That's why the last day should shape my every day. His judgment will be final. That's in verse 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, this is the second death, the lake of fire. Listen, your eternal destiny is set when you depart from this world. And that's why we don't pray for the dead. You know, if you go to some funerals in some denominations, uh, you'll be asked to repeat prayers for the dead. But listen, nowhere are you taught to pray for the dead in the Bible. Nowhere are we taught that there's such a thing as purgatory. It's a fabricated neverland. It's not in the scriptures. In other words, it is appointed to man to die once, and after this comes the judgment. What happens in this life, what you do with Christ, will determine your eternal destiny forever. Judgment will be final, and judgment will be divisive. Verse 15. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. There's a book, the book of life. It's mentioned seven times in the book of Revelation. And and we ought to be thinking, I want to make sure my name is in there. How do I get in there? What's amazing is Revelation 13 says that the names in the book of life were written there before the foundation of the world. This is the ultimate have-have-not story. If your name is not written in the book of life, you're going to the lake of fire. And these aren't my words. This is the word of the Lord. If your names are in the book of life, you get eternal life. If not, you get eternal death. The first death, physical death, is not the worst thing that could happen to you. It's the second death, spiritual death. Separation from God forever. The lake of fire, that's the worst thing that could happen to you. This is why Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born physically. And then at some point, you gotta be born spiritually. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he says you must be born again. Not just have the physical birth, but have the spiritual birth. He wants to give you new life in Christ. You can live new. And if you have in you this desire to repent of your sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus and what he did for you on that cross to save you, then, and then you respond and live a life of obedience under the lordship of Christ, you'll know then, my name was written in the book of life from the foundation of the earth. Whosoever will may come. I heard a pastor one time say this. If you're born once, you will die twice, the first and the second death. But if you're born twice, physical birth and new birth through Christ, you'll only die once. If you're born once, you die twice. If you're born twice, you die once. Here's what Jesus said in John 3, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, He doesn't want to condemn. He came to this planet to save. God sent his son into the world in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only son of God. Listen, this judgment will be divisive. And maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ. Christ. And you might be thinking, what must I do to be saved? I want my name in the book of life. I don't want the lake of fire. One of our members here at CBC, Penny Chappick, tells a story of how the fear of judgment helped her come to Christ. She said, when I was in the seventh grade, my two Sunday school teachers taught a few weeks on hell. It absolutely terrified me. And I knew that I didn't want to spend eternity in hell. They saw me wrestling with my fear, and they took the time to talk with me about sin, redemption, and Jesus' sacrifice. And I decided I wanted nothing to do with hell and everything to do with what Jesus was offering. So after praying and giving my life over to Christ, I felt immediate peace and assurance. Maybe today is your day like pennies. You say, well, how, how, how do I come to faith? Here's a prayer on the screen. There's no magic prayer, but maybe this expresses the desire of your heart. If so, pray it with me as I go through it. Dear Lord Jesus, I've been living my life as if I will not give an account. I'm guilty. I'm ashamed of what I've done, where I've been, and who I've become. You are judge. Right now, I'm not ready. So today, I cry out to you for mercy. Be merciful to me, a sinner. You died to pay for my sins. You rose again. You are coming to judge. Make me a beloved child of God so that I can be confident in the day that you appear. Please save me. If you cry out like that in any way to Christ, if that's the longing of your heart and you mean it, then that's evidence that your name's in the book of life. God's the one who's stirring you to respond right here, right now, today. And if, if that's you, if you've prayed that prayer, then there's a program, you got it coming in. Check the box on the program and just let us know. Today, I prayed the prayer to receive Christ. Let us know. Or come up and talk to me. Talk to Pastor Dale. Talk to somebody else on our staff. We would love to help you understand what's happened so that you can grow into your new life in Christ. You can live new. And if you've put your faith and trust in Christ, you will be recognized as someone whose sins are forgiven on judgment day because you've trusted in Jesus and his death and his resurrection as payment for your sins. Now, if you're a believer already, God's judgment at the return of Christ, He's not going to judge you on the basis of your sins. He's going to judge you on the basis of your works. And some of us will have little to show on, our, on that day. Others, what we did to glorify God is going to be rewarded in a great way. I was kind of reading about this whole idea of the judgment of the believer's good deeds. Because the Bible says that believers will be judged on the basis of our deeds, not on the basis of our sins. And I read something from a pastor in Minnesota, John Piper. And so I've got folders up here. This represents all the A's. Everything that you did, in the name of the Father, through the Son, in the power of the Spirit. A's. B's, C's, D's, F's and what's judgment going to be like well he's going to look through the file and some things in the B file are A worthy he'll pull those things out and place them over here and some things in the B file are not worthy and they go over same thing with the C's he looks through okay this is good this is not so good. He does the same thing with the D's. He's looking for something. Not anything there. Not anything here. Okay, here's a little something. He puts it over here. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that our works can be categorized as wood, hay, and straw, or gold, silver and precious stones. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3 that a fire will come up to test the quality of everyone's work. The wood, hay, and the straw, it's all burned up. And what's left is the gold, the silver, and the precious stone. And it's as, it's as if Jesus will walk to the Father on our behalf. And he'll say, I died on the cross and I shed my blood for her, for him. And by my grace and for my glory and by my power, these are the deeds that were done in my name for the glory of the Father, by the power of the Spirit. And so, Father, reward my brother, reward my sister on the basis of what I have done. And it's fascinating because the Bible says what we will do with the crowns, what we'll do with our rewards is we realize, I didn't get this on my own because I'm so great. Jesus is the one who's great, and we will cast our crowns and cast our rewards at the feet of the one who made it all possible. Listen, believers don't have to fear this day because it's going to be a day of reward, how you live your life will tell the difference between you going to heaven like this or you going to heaven like I want to go to heaven (laughs) like this that day is going to be a day of confidence for us, if we're true believers in Jesus Christ, we need not fear. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And it goes on in verse 15, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba. Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs of God. Heirs also with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him so that we might be glorified with him. Glory is coming because we have a Father. We've been made children of God. We've been adopted into his family. Listen, believer, who's afraid of this day, when you invite friends over to your house and you start showing videos of your kids, if you're a loving parent, you don't show videos of them being defiant or disobeyed. Right? I hope. You're showing your kids scoring a goal in soccer. You're showing your kid being happy at a birthday party. You're showing your kid playing on the beach. And God is a much better father than any of us. He will not shame us on that day. Our sins will be dealt with as forgiven sins, and we will be rewarded for our good works. So I hope you will constantly remind yourself I am a forgiven child of God whose name was written in the book of life from before the foundation of the world. I'm good to go. That day is going to be a good day for me. We need not fear that day. We can have confidence in that day. All right, it's time for the kind of the so what part of the message. What's the so what of the judgment to come? And what I'd like to do is to hear from you guys. If all of this is true, so what? How should we live? What difference should it make? Shout it out! We're going to record a few of them. What do you say? Stay true to his, uh... Are you tell me! You guys are dumber than 8:15 and 9:30 service. Stay true to his commandments. Stay true to his commandments. Because if you stay true to the commandments, those are the good deeds that we get rewarded for. Somebody said, "Obey" over here obedience. Same deal. Get rewarded for that. Be good. good, All right. Be good because he is good. What else? Forgive. Forgive. Wait a minute. (laughs) Forgive. Listen, I told you, Rachel is able to forgive her perpetrator because she believes in a God of justice. He can handle it. I don't have to. Love, I heard over here. That's, those are practical deeds of kindness that we could do for others. What else? Share. Share, Share what? Share your, life. Share your life. Share your love. Share your faith. Because everybody in this room, you know people that are not headed for a good place on judgment day. Back over here. Believe. Believe. Go make disciples. Go make disciples. Oh, you guys are smarter than 8.15 or 9.30. (laughs) As you can imagine, I got my own three takeaways, okay? Let's see how, how we match up. First of all, so what? A confidence that our names are in the book of life. For the believer, judgment's not bad news. It's good news. We don't have to live in terror of the judgment. It is a day of reward. We should respect that day. We should be prepared for that day. We should live faithfully in view of that day. We will give an account. But future glory is coming for all children of God. We are not saved by our works. We're saved by grace through faith, not of works. But we are saved for good works. So if you're a person who is saying you're following Christ, you just prayed the prayer, but you got no good works to show for it, You're kidding yourself. There must be good works. Faith is the root of salvation. Good works is the fruit of salvation. And so when there are good works, that gives us confidence that our names are in the book of life. Secondly, there should be a passion for good deeds. If we as believers are going to be judged on the basis of our works, we need to be busy doing good deeds busy. Matthew 16, Jesus said, the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of the Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. God is watching, he's keeping track, and he will reward us for our faithfulness to him right down to every cup of cold water that we have given away in his name. If you're a person who's caring for an aging parent and you're doing it for the glory of God in the name of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be rewarded for that. If you're married to a spouse who is sick and you go the extra mile to serve that spouse, if you're doing it for the glory of God in the name of Jesus by the power of the Spirit, you will be rewarded for that. Listen, make your home a life house. We talk about our prayer, care, share strategy here with our eight closest neighbors. Identify the needs of your neighbors and meet them and begin to pray for them. Invite them into your home. Just say, I'm going to have a meal this week with somebody who is far away from God. Or or go to our website and find our Big Ten, our local missions and ministries where we want to focus the serve. Join one of our disaster relief relief trips. Go on one of our mission trips to Pearl Island. Start serving our preschool children and youth ministries. You see, one of these days, he will say, when you visited that sick person, you visited me. When you visited that prisoner, you visited me. When you gave A cup of water, you gave it to me. Well, Lord, when did I see you naked and clothe you or in prison and visited you? When did I see you thirsty and give you something to drink? And he will say, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. We need to be people who step up our game when it comes to good deeds, good works. We're not saved by them, we are saved for them because you don't want to get to heaven standing there like this. And so when we say we want you to serve here, it's not because we want something from you. It's because we want something for you. On that day, rewarded with all the faithful saints of all time. And then third, you need an urgency to win others to Christ. Unless they come to Christ, some of the people we know and love are headed to the lake of fire. And that ought to create a sense of urgency in our lives. Here's what C.H. Spurgeon, the great 19th century London pastor said, If sinners will be damned, at least let them leap over to hell, over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms around their knees. And if hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. Let no one go unprayed for or unwarned. Ask God to impress this teaching about judgment, This teaching from Jesus onto your heart so deeply that it makes you more passionate. It reconfigures the way you see everybody around you. The clerk at Target. The guy when you're paying your bill at BP. The way you live before people. The way you talk to people. Because unless you help your friends and family members embrace the good news of receiving Jesus as Savior, they will face the bad news Of seeing Jesus as judge. So it's time for us to do some bold praying. It's time for us to have some bold conversations, risk-taking, not reckless conversations with people that are far from God. I mean you might simply ask somebody, did you grow up in church? Simple question, easy. Did you grow up in church? And see where the conversation goes. Have a meal this week with somebody that's not ready to face Christ as judge. And make a commitment and say, you know what, I'm going to pray for five people, five family members or friends who are not ready to face Christ as judge. We've got these little prayer cards. We've handed them out earlier this year. We brought them back out for today. You can pick one up in the foyer. And it's a place for you to write down the names of people that you're praying for. If you want us to pray for them with you, make an extra copy, and we'll stick it into our prayer room. And we will pray with you for those folks. The last day should shape my every day. So look at that screen. Which of the so what's did you need to hear the most today? Can you pick one? Pick one. And then right where you sit, quietly, silently, ask the Lord... What do you want me to do about that? And then listen to his still small voice. Okay? Take some time right now and do that. God, we praise you that you're the God who always does what's right. That you are the source of justice and love. That you know what we all deserve. And that we can trust you. Lord, forgive us for being complacent about the judgment to come, for pretending like it's not going to happen, for living our lives as though this is all there is. Forgive us for those times when maybe we've even been embarrassed by your wrath or ashamed of the judgment. Lord, teach us we don't have to apologize for you about your eternal plan. Teach us that it's time to stop apologizing for you and start apologizing to you. Lord, I pray that we would be people with confidence about that day. That we would be people busy preparing for that day with all of our good deeds. And that we would be people proclaiming a Savior who came and died and rose again. So that no one need go to the lake of fire. So God, we need your help. May the last day shape our every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.